Hi, I'm Cody Elaine Oliver. I created the popular Black Love docuseries with my husband after seeing the lack of Black people in media and entertainment in happy, loving relationships. We were actually being told there was a Black marriage crisis. So I asked Black people who were married what it takes to make their marriage work. And after more than 200 interviews, I've heard it all. So buckle up and enjoy getting the full story directly from the couples themselves. This is Black Love, The Interviews. When did we meet? I don't know if I remember when we met. Yeah, it, it was in 1995. So I was uh, in the Bay Area. I was working uh, and I was working a regular job. And then kind of like my nighttime job was really into the hip hop scene, you know, mid nineties. And a friend of mine, uh, actually two brothers, Tracy and Thomas Underwood, they had a graphic design company and I had been working with them. I went to school, undergrad at Cal with, with Tracy, and he introduced me to his brother, Thomas, who really led the business. And Thomas was like, Thomas introduced me to a couple people. This guy named Percy that we know as Master P, another guy named Earl, who we know as E-40. So it's when the Bay Area is doing their thing. And he said, man, you gotta meet this chick. She about her business, she's doing her thing. Diane Valentine. And so I called Diane and I said, hey, you know, if Thomas said I should meet you, I should meet you. And um, she was doing, uh, I think, the largest African-American wedding oh, expo wow. yes. uh, in downtown Oakland. So I went down there and uh, it was just like, hi right. and bye, you know, because she was just scrambling. So I was just checking out the whole scene, the whole scenario, but she was running it. And so that's when we first met. And then uh, both of us landed in, in 1996. We were, we were in LA. Uh, I was working for Nike at the time. And she came in with a athlete management team of people. And I was like, Thomas's girl, you know? And that's kind of when we got a little more familiar as friends. I forgot about that. Yeah. Bridal was, show in the Bay Area. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's been a long time. So I produced the first African-American Bridal Expo ever in in all of the West Coast, actually in all of in all of the U.S. It didn't exist before, at least not um, in the U.S. And um, I produced it in Oakland in 1994. And then I did it a second time in 1995. So in 1994, I produced it, lost a ton of money and was like, I will not be beat by this. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm going to do it again next year. I did it in 95 and I lost everything <laughs> i was like okay maybe i should rethink this lovely <laughs> yeah it wasn't a setup i was married at the time uh and like i said thomas was linking me with a number of, of movers and shakers in, in in the bay area and so she was just one of them so actually the only woman he actually referred me to but uh, mostly it was just people doing their thing. And so, uh, so yeah, we were just, we were just friends. It was a friendly uh, meeting in 1995. And then in 1996, when we met, she was like, Hey, you know what, what you're doing is interesting. Won't you kind of see what I really, really do other than the athlete stuff. And I think it was Layla Rashawn's wedding reception is when she invited me and actually sat me next to the Moet Hennessy uh, guy and she was like, "Well, work him a little bit if you can uh, <laughs> along the way because she was doing the production." But she said, "Hey, there might be some additional business." So that's that's how we really started in terms of collaborating from a business perspective. 
asking and for me when I when I met Damon, I think I was so focused. I was so driven and so focused on my career. I was a single mom. And so I didn't have time. I didn't have time to date. I didn't have time to like bet on stuff that might not work. Like I was like, yo, like I got this baby I gotta take care of it. I don't know how I'm gonna do it. So the last thing I have time for is a date. So if you're not talking about no money, you know, talking about that dinero, <laughs> I gotta keep it moving. And at the time I was all about the dinero and really didn't want to date. So it worked extremely well because it was about us doing great work and uh, figuring out how to make money. So it was it was a good partnership from that perspective and, and a good friendship. When Damon started going through his divorce, um, we were by, by that point, we were really good friends. So he was like a family friend. My family knew him. Uh, my daughter knew him. And uh, I was really just trying to be a really good friend for, to him during that really tough time. And I just remember watching how he handled the divorce. You know, I always say love is great, but divorce is really, really ugly. And during that period of time, he never spoke ill of his, of his first wife. He was never disrespectful to her. He never made it about her. It, for him, it was always that he had failed in some way. And because I was his good friend, I was like, dang, Lord, you know, I've been asking Damon to hook me up with a good dude all these years. And I was like, okay, I know what I want. I want somebody just like Damon. Send me somebody just like Damon, but not Damon, because Damon's my friend. But, you know, somebody just like him that loves his mama, that if we break up, he not gonna talk about me. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, so I, I went through, I was separated in 03, and then, then it was the divorce scenario. And so after that, I, I was da a damaged dude. You know, I, I did feel like I failed. Um, and I really wasn't looking for love. I really wasn't looking for dating. Uh, I was looking for a lot of things, but those two I weren't looking for. And so, uh, <laughs> so I think, I think Diane and I, we still remain friends and we still started dating, but we would probably break up every three months. And when I would say break up, it was just like, I really didn't want it. I wanted the friendship, but I really didn't want all that she had. Cause like you said, she was, she was very focused. She had a daughter, she had a business and she, she wasn't joking. And she always made it clear, Hey, I want it all. And so it was a lot of, let me dip in there for a little bit. Oh, it's too hot. Okay. Let me take a break. You know, that, that, that was my mode for at least a couple years, you know, and then it really, it's a couple things that, that really turned me. One is uh, she lost some weight. She did. You're so vain. She, she, lost, she lost some weight because I never forget, actually, Carl, I talked to Carl, oh, we swapped some voicemail, my business partner, Carl. She had came in, you know, nice little skirt or whatever. And I said, when she left, I'm like, hey, well, I'm trying to find the words. I, I said something to the effect of, you know, I might have to really look into this right here, you know, in a major way, you know, really look into it. You know what I mean? And so I think that was really it. I really just saw her in, in, in a different light for one. And then at that point, I think it was around 07 is when uh, I was actually talking to my accountant, you know, and we were just talking about stuff. 
and uh, she was using him as well. And, and we were working in business, so she knew of her. And he really just asked me some interesting, manly questions about my intentions about her, you know. And I was a Kimmel, and I was like, "Oh, okay, go ahead, Kimmel." You know, you don't expect that from your from your accountant, you know, kind of a white guy, unassuming type accountant, you know. So it wasn't like we were friends like that. But out of the spirit of care, he asked some some good questions, and it kind of made me think, you know. And so that's when I was ready really to say okay let me see if this chick is really the one and so i changed my line of really engagement and, and really the tough questions and really the deep looking versus that other stuff that i was looking for you know early on so i think those two were some some interesting you know times in terms of dating you know when i first did it was like nah i'm just not but I really didn't believe that. It was just like, not right now, because I still believed in what marriage can stand for. I still believed in it. So I wasn't one of those, I'm never getting married again. But I was just one of those that was like, you know, I'm gonna wait for a minute and then see, you know, how things play out, see how things go. So I wasn't against it per se. I felt like he was against it. Okay. You know, I, I, I wasn't, you know, just at the time, you know, I always say she went from beginners to intermediary. See, she had to go through the progression, you know. And so when she thought I didn't want to get married, she was just at the beginner phase, you know, but she thought she was advanced. Oh my God. You know? I can't so, believe you said that. <laughs> so no, I mean, I think, I think it was just a readiness thing, but I, I wasn't one of those to say, hey, I'm never, ever, and I don't really, I don't really flow like that as, as a person. It's something wrong if I'm not transforming, you know, if I'm not able to shift, pivot. I never say never like that. So I, I just wasn't, but I knew that, you know, it would have to be a whole different play uh, with me, the situation and the person for me to engage in, in, you know, the marriage thing. Well, it was a lot more dramatic for me because to me, our breakups were the worst and we did break up a lot. They were the worst and they were devastating because when we finally started dating, you know, I think as he said up front, I was like, I'm an all or nothing kind of chick. You know, I'm from Oakland. I'm a single mother. I don't have time to waste. And I'm a good catch. By then my career was popping. Things were good. I wasn't broke no more. And I was like, yo, I'm a good catch. And if you don't want to be down, I promise you somebody else will. I was talking big talk. And we would break up and then I would like attempt to go on a date with somebody else or I would like entertain another guy and I would be like, gosh, he was such a jerk. Or you know, like he was like 45 minutes late and didn't even call and say I'm late and then got here and didn't even apologize for being late. Or, you know, I would go out with somebody and he wouldn't even open my door. And I was just like, Dana would never do those things. He would never do that to me. I so I kept getting it. sucked right on back in to the hamster wheel. Yo, that G-A-M-E, you know, I had her going. <laughs> I had her going. <laughs> Whatever. When I started dating Damon, I was incredibly cautious because I had a daughter. When we finally started dating, my daughter was 14 years old at the time. And I became a single mother when she was about nine months old. 
So from nine months to 14, I was not in one single serious relationship. I dated guys and met men, and I felt like they weren't worthy. They weren't worthy of stepfather material. They weren't worthy um, of husband material. I didn't think they would be good examples for her. So she just never met anyone. So when Damon came around, like he was just, he was just so different. I mean, he was just everything I wanted everything I wanted and it just it was kind of almost too good to be true I was like of course he doesn't want to get married because he's everything I wanted all my whole life here we go <laughs> so um Damon and I were really good friends for just for only friends for about eight years during that time he became a really positive male influence in my daughter's life and so he's the kind of guy he would drop by and he'd help her with her homework or I'd be like oh I'm going to Ryan's basketball game he'd be like oh where is it I'll come through or you know Ryan had a swim meet on Saturday oh I'll stop by and see how she's doing and he's always been that way with kids and so they were really good friends until we said we were going to start dating and then it was just like he became the devil it reincarnated and I was just like what what like he's everything like how could you not like Damon and to this day she won't admit whatever her issues were and some that still are however I think for her she felt like she lost her mom I think because I was a single mom for so long she never had to compete with anybody or anything she had to compete I think with my career but that was it and so when he came into the picture, I think for her, it was just, I don't know, maybe it was just shell shock. And I think she kind of probably didn't know how to express her feelings. Instead of saying, mom, I don't like this because I miss you. She was just, ooh, she was mean. She was mean. Yeah, you know, for a while there, I really didn't want to dive into that. You know, I, I don't have any biological kids. So I hadn't did that journey from 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 there, from pregnancy to 14. So I, I really was was fish out of water when it came to that. But I do know I had enough single mother friends. I had enough guys that I know that had children out of wedlock or wasn't in the home that, you know, I had to be super duper careful. So I wasn't, you know, doing a lot to kind of show up big because I just didn't know if I'd be around, you know, for for most of the time. So I would encourage Diane to come over to my place, you know, and th that type of thing. So I wasn't a guy who was just there, you know, sleeping overnight and all that kind of stuff, you know, uh, until, you know, it was really time for that. And, and so when I thought it was time for that, I did ask Ryan and I, I shared with her, I said, hey, you know, I'm dating your mom. And she was like, I already know. And I was like, well, you know, I didn't tell you, you know, I mean, because she just saw a little bit of dating. She didn't saw, see the level at which I was now saying, okay, I'm in this. And she was like, you can have her. <laughs> so I thought that was an interesting response, right? But. Wow, I didn't know about that. Oh yeah, that. yeah, yeah, I remember. She said you could have her? She said her? you can have her. Yeah, she said you can have her. Oh, yeah, baby. so I, I don't know what year that was. It was probably 
six, six or seven. It may have been six, yeah, maybe been five, five or something like that. Five, maybe five or six, five. but it was it was around that time. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of at least how I introduced it to her. But I'll tell you the best advice I ever had, and, and Ryan's never been disrespectful. She might just say hi and bye, you know, to me, you know, hi, bye, you know, nothing in between. But but never disrespectful. But a friend of mine, uh, Keith Hodges, he was the principal of a high school, and and we went to Cal Cal Berkeley together. And I just caught because you know he deals with teenagers every day. So I called him. I said, Yo, you know, man, I need some help. You know, we sat down, and he just told me one about teenagers. He listened to the scenario because as a principal, he kind of knows that kind of stuff. And and out of it, he he gave me two things. He said, One, I'm the adult. So regardless of what happens, I'm the adult. I had my chance to be a teenager, so I can't act like that anymore. And then the, the second thing he says, hey man, you gotta be the man, because you are, you know, in this situation, you, you're the man. And then he said three, he said, man, just keep making deposits. Just keep making deposits. Just keep, because you never know when, when it's gonna pay off, and you never know when you're gonna withdraw. And so, that's kind of always been my, uh, my stance, you know, on that. Yeah, just keep giving, providing, you know, just, just keep, keep being nice. Just keep, keep, because, you know, I always say, hey, you know, when I have a conversation with Petey at Heaven's Gate, right, it's not going to be an issue around how I dealt with Ryan. He's going to be like, oh, no, no, come on through. You, come on. It's not going to be an issue when he's getting me through those gates. So I just kept on like being, showing up at the games or the swim meets or uh, whatever she would need, you know, uh, that kind of stuff, you know. Bringing my, my resource, Eddie Javis, on the, uh, the, the uh, education piece. So I was still providing for her. One is just a, as, as what I do and as a, a man and as a responsible adult. So, yeah, you know, she, she might have been nasty at times. I'll let Diane kind of handle, you know, that, that part of it. I would leave, you know, hey, oh, oh, oh man, I'm, I gotta go. You know, when it got that, when they, when they start going at it, because I just never felt I was kind of part of the circle, if you will, and the discipline and saying, hey, long as she, you know, she was getting off on her and nasty at her, but she really wasn't towards me, you know. So, uh, so yeah, it was tough. And I acknowledge, you know, her dad is alive, but not really active in her life. So, in addition to somebody monopolizing now DV's time, you know, her mom's time, now you have a scenario where it's a, it's another dude that ain't your dad. And so, I, I hear that a lot. That's just, a, I think, that's a prevailing thing that happens. You want mom and pops to be together, you know? So I think, you know, she was dealing with, with, with a lot of that. So I was respectful of that and kind of tried to support that because at time she would grow out of it. And I just knew she would, you know, she wouldn't be a girl forever. The way Damon handled the challenges with Ryan for me is what proved that he was my husband because um, I've worked with women in love, you know, for my entire career. And I have just heard so many nightmares of how men have treated children that didn't belong to them. And I don't want them around and they get on my nerves and no, they can't come with us or you can move in, but your kids can't move in because they are too disrespectful. And Damon was just none of those things. He was the adult and he was, he was a man, he was the adult. And 
as much as I loved him and felt like I had finally hit the jackpot, I told him early in our relationship is that, particularly when it got challenging with my daughter, is I told him that if you ever make me choose, I will always choose her. So please don't do that to me. Don't do that to us. Because if I ever have to choose, I'm going to choose her. And he never backed down from it. And the same way that he was respectful to his ex-wife, he has always been respectful to my daughter, despite how she may have behaved over the years. The toughest time may have been in 08. There was a transition, Diana transitioned from, from living in Palm, uh, Quartz Hill, in Quartz Hill and we st it's the first time we stayed together for about a month. So I was having this house remodeled and we had a condo over in Studio City. And at the time it was uh, Diane and I, as well as Brian and a cousin, Callie. And I have a different way of running my household. And so at that time it's kind of two 18 year olds Diane and, and I kind of said, okay, how are we gonna do this even though it was a month? Because any house that I'm in, I'm the man of the house. Any house that I'm in, I don't care where it is. So I said, how are we gonna run this? And then that's when it was a scenario where it was, you're not my dad and you're not my uncle. And I was like, huh. It was kind of one of those gray areas where you're not a girl, but you're not a woman. And I didn't like what you had to say, but I really want to treat you like an adult. And I think Diane and I had conflict about how we move. And I remember the, the biggest argument actually was over curfew. Now I didn't care what time the curfew was, but if it's a curfew, you have to adhere to it. See, I grew up in a family of five, four boys with a dad. And my dad had this many rules, but you couldn't break any of those rules. And one of them was about honoring your word. And so it got to it, I remember the curfew was one o'clock now, 1 a.m. And I can't sleep, right? I can't sleep well until the house is complete. So 108, 105, and I'm just like WTF, like, come on now. And so Diane would not allow me to get a deadbolt that we could only have the key to. So at one o'clock, the deadbolt's off and you sleep in the car. I mean, it's a, it's a covered garage or somewhere else. But at least, because I think proper motivation makes people do things the right way in it here. And, and we actually had a serious argument over that. And, and uh, she got her way, but I really didn't like it. But I said, hey, I only got to deal with this for a month. Then I'm out and, and living where I live, so. That's true. Yeah. So. I grew up with an amazing dad as well. I feel like he had a great dad, but had a better dad. <laughs> um, but my father, who reminds me so much of my husband, he was very stern. Um, like Damon's father, he didn't have a lot of rules, but the rules he had, if you broke them, you know, it was hell to pay. But my father was a father of three girls. My husband's father was a father of four boys. 
And I just felt like it's a difference. Like my father's never raised his voice at me. I've never, I never got a spanking by my dad. Like none of that stuff. Now I would get in trouble. I would get on punishment or, you know, he'd, he'd take my allowance, would give my allowance or I would lose privileges. But the thought of my dad locking me out of the house, he would never have done that. And I, me personally, I couldn't get past that because I was just like, I am not about to lock a 18 year old girl out of the house, even though she was wrong. So he was right and he was wrong. It probably would have just happened once because she, they would have got the message. Um, but what but you, you know how girls are. I was like, she might just run away from home because she's stubborn. She's angry. She's stubborn. She's 18. Her hormones are raging. What if she just decides to run away from home? Now she on a whole stroll down on the corner. I'm like devastated. Like my mind just goes there. Like, <laughs> well, she got her way, so we didn't get all of that. Um, but what, what you were, what you were, you you asked a question of asking permission. So prior to uh, asking Diane, I did ask her dad. I asked her dad in February. I didn't ask Diane until September because actually it was a great conversation with her pops. Uh, he, he gave me the entire family breakdown, including his thoughts on Ryan, sisters, mother, all that kind of stuff, right? So it really made me think, right? But then in May, uh, in, in May, because he, he told me, you know, why are you getting, why are you doing this again? You know, but, uh, you know, I like, I love her, but, you know, hey, man, play a player. But um, I did ask Ryan in May of that year. And so oh, we had, yeah, we had. It was a, that early? So we had a talk about it, wow. you know, and I wanted to make sure because I know that I know she's going to choose Ryan. I just know that. And I know that like right now I'm fourth in line. Right. No, baby. So, you know, you saw the three little ones walking around and then there's I'm fourth. I mean, I just know I'm, you know, I'm Baby. fifth. Excuse me. I'm, I'm fifth in line no, on that not. whole thing. No, DNA not. reigns, right? Don't, all don't all, all of those that. are her, her DNA. So when, when, when they come around, I just kind of let them do their thing. Right. But I did. I had a conversation with Ryan. I think it was still a tough conversation for her at the time. I think she was 19. She probably wasn't ready for the question didn't know how to address the question. I tried to be as patient. She wasn't as talkative, but she didn't say no, you know? And so I think that she was, she had launched, so to speak, you know, she was going to school, you know, going to have her own place, all of that. So it wasn't the scenario of us living together and, and doing that kind of thing. And that helped me. And I think it helped her, but I did, I did ask, ask for her permission. The idea of sharing my life with Damon and knowing that he had to come before Ryan and anyone else, it was jarring for me. Um, the, the thought of it was certainly jarring. And, you know, as much as I wanted him in my life and felt like I had found the perfect man, it was scary. Um, it was very scary. I think the way Ryan responded to Damon was so surprising. I didn't see it coming. I wasn't prepared for it. And it was very difficult. But 
we we dated for a really long time and even though for me it was like way too long to be dating right i, I felt like he should have known in six months what he wanted to do but <laughs> it was really the best thing for everybody involved because before we got engaged we had really my relationship with ryan had really gotten to a point where i said you're about to start your life and i have a right to be happy i have a right to be happy you know and i would go through everything has damon abused you has he ever hit you like i would go through all of the worst cases and she would always say no 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 has he ever yelled at you no 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 and no and then i would just go well mom has a right to be happy too so i think i was there maybe before damon was in this the, the notion that i didn't have to get her permission i wanted her blessing but I didn't need her permission to be happy. Going into marriage, my parents divorced when I was seven years old. Um, so to me, the notion of family crumbled at a very, very early age and it was devastating. And then as I grew up, I had such a strong desire to be around love and to be around people in love. And like, how do I do this? Like, I want this whole family thing. And it's really how my career developed in the wedding space. So I was privy to so many relationships in my lifetime. And so many of them were unhappy. They were dysfunctional. They were one form of abuse or another. They didn't like each other right so i really wanted marriage but i expected it to be hard i expected that this is not gonna be like easy breezy like we're gonna be fighting you know like i hope we make it to like three years like everybody i know is divorced like nobody stays married forever so i know we're not gonna be that couple but i'm just gonna try and ride this thing for as long as I can. And to my surprise, my relationship with him and my time with him has gotten better and better and better. And I, I know it just sounds like such a cliche, but it really every day I wake up and I love my husband more that new day with the new sunrise than I did the day before. And I keep waiting for when I'm gonna wake up and be like, I am so over his ass, right? And it just, it hasn't happened. And it's the most beautiful surprise. Like I never thought that this kind of happiness belonged to me. I thought it was only for the movies. I know, I mean, you know, you know, you still rolling the tape, you know. That's how I feel anyway. Yeah, I think going into marriage again, I think I kinda, I think I knew a little bit more about myself for one i was an older older uh, guy so i, I kind of had settled into my own space uh, i always look at things as a triangle right it's it's me it's her and it's us so it's three sides so in any one of those sides will collapse and break down the whole structure so when i asked the question i was ready so that's the first thing, you know, I was ready. So it wasn't any more of this, I feel I should, I'm getting too old, I'm tired of doing the running the streets type of thing. These other excuses, other than the fact that, oh yeah, she's the chick, 
and I want to be married and this is why. So, so we did actually did a lot of work, right? So we did counseling. So we, you know, uh, Love and Respect was a book that, that we read and, and worked from. Uh, we had two pastors that we went through, which were great because once again, for me, it's questions that come up, you know, that I just wasn't thinking about. You know, when you talk about the business of it, the relationship, the family, the growth of the family, all of those types of things. So I was okay. And so I shared that at some point I start asking her the tough questions. So for me, those tough questions were saying, okay, is she okay with me on my worst day? Because yeah, she loves me on my best day, right? It, it usually works like that, but on my worst day. So I think that was a good start. But my expectations really were simple uh, and it was really wrapped up in our vows. And uh, I used uh, rhythmic American poets, uh, the locks. They have a song called, I need a ride or die, bitch. And so that is my standard. If you own the, if you, if you putting out maximum effort, you can't give me no more. And I can't ask no more of you. If, hey, we, it's us against the world, back to back, you take that side, I take this side and make sure don't nobody hit me on the back of the head, right? You know, that kind of stuff. So I had very, very, cause I was confident in my ability to lead as man of the house. I was confident in her thinking and confidence in me to do so. I just needed her to be ride or die, you know, cause I always say we're entrepreneurial entrepreneurs. Hey, if all else fails, we can sell everything and get a one bedroom in Idaho and be all right. That kind of thing, you know, get rid of all your shoes, you know, and your handbags. But, but, but that, that's the, that's the real thinking. And, uh, that's the really the only expectation. So when those types of things are are questioned in terms of us taking risks, uh, uh, in terms of us, you know, being our best selves, really dreaming impossible dreams and things like that. If you about ride or die, there's no limitations. There's no outer space. It just keeps expanding. So those are my expectations, and uh, she's uh, she's lived up to them as of today. As of today. As of today. <laughs> but tomorrow we back on that. Whoosh, whoosh, you know, day. yeah, it's a okay. new day. Yeah. You know, it's a new day. <laughs> I remember that. You know, we type A's. We go getters. You know, we don't like to lose fights. We like to stand our ground. Uh, she has like this many rules around this house. I only care about this much, really. You know, uh, so. A lot of it has to do with the things that I love about her, just riding me on stuff. I think that's the, the tough part. Uh, I know I'm not anywhere near perfect, and I know that I don't do all of, nowhere near all the stuff she wants me to do, right? Because that's, that's she's insatiable when it comes to stuff she wants me to do, you know? So I think that's the tough part when we're really pushing one another to be the best, and we're not present to you know, the feelings and the situations. I think I think that's the, that's the tough part, but the same things I love about her are the tough things about her. Like, I know I'm sloppy. I'm clean, but I'm sloppy, so she gonna give me beef around that. I'm more frugal with the dollar. She's gonna wanna spend, you know, all the basic stuff, but it's really, you know, having a place where, where we can handle it. And I would say that we, we don't argue that often, but she knows when, when I'm upset, 
and I know when she's upset. Sometimes it's when I'm the cause and other times is when it's just a life situation. And so it's really being sensitive to that, to that and figuring out what can I do to help right now. Sometimes it's doing nothing, not saying nothing, just giving her space and really being okay with that. Because I mean, I know I like to solve things. I like for my, my problems, I like to be short term. And sometimes they're just not, like she mentioned, uh, the divorce of, of, of her parents. I know that sometimes that, that creeps up. We both have lost our dads over the last couple years. I know that that creeps up for her, creeps up for me. You know, I had the Mr. Goodbarty last night, you know, so it's those types of things and really just being able to be a support and a stand. But we've been pretty lucky because we, we are kindred spirits when it comes to not having a lot of drama. And then we have these little love notes that we have. So at our wedding, everybody gave us cards and they were cards of inspiration. Some for me, some for her, some for both of us. So whenever I see one of those cards, that means that I need some work to do. And I don't think I've given her a card once. I don't even know where they are. But she's given me about three or four over the years. And I remember one was over some Starbucks. <laughs> we were we were gonna be late to an appointment and she wanted to stop for freaking Starbucks. And I'm like, but we gonna be, cause to me, once again, on time, there's always been a penalty, you know, for being late. I just grew up like that, right? But uh, we used to have those little type of things. We don't have that as much anymore because it's like, okay, whatever. I mean, I walked through that door at 6.02 and I was supposed to be here at 6. And I was like, uh, you know, and I was relieved when y'all weren't here, you know? So, I mean, but I still wanted to be because it's just integrity, right? And things like that. So I think that uh, we do a good job of, of managing the tough times through tools that we use, you know, through some training that we have and then just being real human and being sensitive. And so we, like I said, we, we haven't had anything where I've stormed out of the house or she's say, you know, cussed at me and, and slammed the door. We, we, we not like that. And we haven't pressed each other to that. And, and I don't think we, we will. Uh, I really don't think we will. We might have some problems and some real issues, but we won't take it to, we won't take it there. She ain't a dude, if she's a dude, we take it there. <laughs> You know, for me, one of the, the, the challenges of being married, it's only actually the only one I can think of, is that because my husband is such a strong type A personality, um, he tends to be very stringent, you know, like in things that are important or timeliness, or you said you were gonna do it, then you should do it and you should do it right now. Me, on the other hand, I'm a type A as well, but in a lot of ways, I think I'm a bit more of a free spirit, right? So I'm like, oh, it's not a big deal. Yeah, I said I'd be home at six, but it's 10. Like, what's the big deal? I don't get why that's a problem. So I think that has been an adjustment for me is one is knowing that when I say something to him, it's important that I do what I say I'm gonna do, or it's important that I, maintain a level of importance of what I know is important to him. If he cares about it, then I should care about it. And then from time to time, I have to just back him up and be like, yo, I only had one daddy and he gone. 
And as much as I love you, you ain't him. So ease up. And then he comes back. And he comes back. But, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, particularly in the work that I do, and I even share that I've heard people say that marriage is so hard and that marriage just takes a lot of work and it's just so much sacrifice. And I hear that over and over and over again. And it's almost disturbing to me now when I hear that, because I think that we all have choices in life, right? And the fact that you chose to commit your life to somebody else and you're chosen, you're choosing to spend your life with them, that should not be hard. It is not difficult for me to be married to my husband. He is the best part of every single day on his worst day. He is still better than any deficiency that he has. You know, the sum total, totality of who he is, is so much greater than the fact that he never puts his clothes in the hamper. They always fall on the floor, right? That is so small in the big picture of this life that I've been so blessed to build and have with this man. So it's not hard. If it was hard, maybe we'd have to say goodbye. Because I don't think love is hard. When love is love, when love is real and it's true love, it's the easiest thing in the world. I have two sisters, um, both of whom are divorced. Both of them who are multiple divorced. So they've been married and divorced more than once. Um, of course, for my daughter, because I want her to see what love really looks like. Love is not abusive. Love is not violent. Love is not angry. Love is not mean. Love is none of those things. Love is kind and patient. And he, and he is all of those things. So in terms of my family, it's really important because I have come from a really big family and we do not have a lot of examples of happily married couples, black or interracial. Um, I have a lot of people that are coexisting with one another, but I can't say even in my own family, there's a lot of people that are happily married. And then because of the work I do in my career, that's an interesting question because I am so incredibly protective of my husband and our relationship and our marriage because our life that we, again, been really blessed with, it is not entertainment. We are not, reality TV cameras are not coming in this house and we are not doing a show about the Haley's. That is not happening. So I'm protective of him. I am cautious about how I introduce him and whom and in what scenarios I introduce him, particularly, you know, in Hollywood and in television, because sometimes the drive for success can make you waver on, you know, waver on your moral ground in terms of how do you hold family and how do you protect it? Because I've been offered multiple opportunities to do shows about our lives and our family. And, and I've always turned it like it's not even open for discussion because I could lose that. And I know how Hollywood is. And I know that if you're entertaining on television and you're entertaining, you, you probably got some drama in there. But that drama can destroy the family unit so much. And so as much as I love him and I'm proud of him, I'm just very, very careful. If we are a great example of love, that's great, but I'm certainly not going to put it on a platter. 
for the world to have because the same thing that people aspire for and to be can also be the same things that they use to drag you down. And fame is a really dangerous drug. And I always say, I use the Kardashians as an example, you know, love their story, love those girls, admire them for all that they have accomplished. But I always think once you give up your life, how do you get it back? And I'm not, not willing to gamble with him. I have been in love with love for as long as I can remember. And it really started the summer of 1977, which is when my parents got a divorce. And so what I thought love was and the perfect black family that I thought we had, it crumbled and I was crushed because of it. And so my life's work and my life's purpose and my life's journey and my life's ministry is love. Now, everything that I do and everything that I have done and how I've grown and how I've evolved in my career has always been around this concept of love. And in particular, when I think about the challenges that black women face when it comes to love, and um, for example, if every black woman in America married a black man, as, as most do, as most want to do, right? Every black woman marries a black man, there will still be approximately 1.5 million single black women. And those odds are devastating. That is devastating for black women. And then when you couple the fact of the mass incarceration of black men and how many black women did not grow up with fathers, that number quadruples, right? And so when I, when I think about the challenges of black women that didn't grow up with their dads, um, obviously is a very soft spot for me because my daughter didn't grow up with her dad either. And so I see how those women grow up and become broken women and they fall in love with broken men because the first man that they loved didn't love them back. And that is devastating for black women. And no other women, I believe, in the world have to deal with that kind of pressure and shame and um, discomfort. And, and, and no other race of women, I feel, have to go through life and pretend that everything is okay when we are missing the core value that defines who we are as human beings, and that is to love and to be loved. And so because of that, I, um, I know that I have a voice. I'm very clear about what my purpose is in life. And I know that where God guides, he provides. And so at every fork in the road, at every turn, at every new opportunity, I know I'm on the right path if what my next move is, is surrounded by love. My parents were married, uh, I believe, 56 years before my dad passed away. So I didn't have the same experience at seven years old that, that Diane had. My experience is just all my life, my parents were there. All my life, they were a team. All my life, they were adoring each other. I mean, my dad was a dad, but my dad I mean, he did stuff. I mean, he, he served my mom. I mean, it, that, that, they were cruel. You know, that, that's, that's the teamwork that I saw. Um, and so I think that when I look at, you know, her, her examples of reality, TV aren't my real reality. So, so, so what I see is 
yes, it's important to let uh, the three boys know, this is my woman. She's your Lola, <laughs> but she's my girl. And I think at least the oldest one kind of understands that, you know, and he gets that we're together. He gets that, you know, I'll kiss her and it's okay. I'm, I'm not stealing her love because she has a lot of love to give. So I think it's important. They, they know I sleep with in the same bed as her and they know they can't always sleep in the bed with us and all that kind of stuff. But it's showing them how we are a team, you know, like earlier today when he was here, he came into the uh, room to give me a message and he said, hey, babe, because she probably referred to me as babe, you know, so I just think that we're just being who we are for one in my own home. I mean, I'm not trying to be anything different than who I am in my, in my home. Now, when we stretch out and we are together and collected because of, because of her celebrity appeal, if you will, people know that, that we're together. But then also my friends know who she is and we do team up and we do say, we're gonna get involved with initiatives as a family. And when I say, yeah, we walk around, we're happy and you know, she'll dress me and I'll look fly and all that kind of stuff. But when we arrive, we're about making positive change. It's just community members, if we're talking about something within our community, if we're donating our time, which we do a lot to various initiatives, and we're just showing that we're a unit uh, and we're together. So for me, I, I don't work hard at being an example. I just try to live the example. So when I do presentations, also I shouldn't say presentations, but when I do speaking engagements, I let people know this is my business partner and this is my wife. She introduces me as her business partner and her husband, you know. So I think that we have a wholeness that we that we put on display for all to see if you care to see. Uh, but I do talk to a lot of young men about how to be, how to think about being a husband, not how to be, but just how to think about it. Like I talked to a gentleman who said he was engaged. He was 28, I believe. And I said, I, I always tell people, think of the three things you hate most about the woman you just asked to spend the rest of your life. If you can deal with those thing, three things, not getting better and maybe even worse, you're on a good track. But don't hope that that's gonna get better because it probably won't, you know? So I oftentimes uh, talk to young husbands uh, and young fiancés about, you know, really how to think about life and how it can be a partnership. <laughs>